0: what's up bookworms it's your host stevie and we are back with another episode it's been a long week it has been a long week i'm tired already
1: um i learned how to do tiktok transitions people go check out my tiktok they're legit i legit will tell you that she's been on here for the last hour doing that i'm not even joking it took me a whole freaking day to learn how to do them but i got them now i'm about to be tiktok famous joking so stevie in the book world
0: what's going on over there um let's see when you're hearing this it will be next week so we're gonna go over those releases because they're the most exciting um gina i'm gonna butcher her last name because i'm not really sure how to say it az or azzy whatever which way you want to say it um is releasing sweet talker which is her new hockey romance and it's amazing
1: i haven't read it because i'm not a blogger i don't get arcs
0: and then the other one that I just finished reading to is Alexa Chase and that's Unraveled and that is an Everyday Heroes book. Mm. Who doesn't love a hot firefighter? Um by next week I will be
1: this is going live on next Friday, right? No. When is it going live? Tuesday. Okay. By next Tuesday, I will be done with Blind Pass. So
0: we're done, ladies and gentlemen. We're done. When so we record next week, it will be a party exactly so just prepared bottles
1: to, i got champagne about to be real bougie in here real bougie. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i mean i haven't really i mean i don't really i have nothing for the book world because i've just been like sucked into my own manuscript at the moment however um democrat republican whichever communist whatever socialist whatever line you fall on um today is a big day. We have the 46th president in the United in is inaugurated today. So it's a big day for America. It always is. Um, not Please get, don't
0: come after us.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna get too political. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, whatever. But like I am saying that, you know, it's a big day. So enjoy this inauguration day or or don't if you don't want to, that's fine, too. But uh, yeah, and I just want to say that whether you support or not, I feel like it's a huge day for women. You know, like, it's a big day for us. It's the first female vice president that we've ever had. And I just think that's, it's amazing. Whether you are a supporter or a non-supporter, I think it's super cool. So celebrating to that because women in power meant girl passion, girl power. And uh, yeah, I didn't even watch the inauguration because the news makes me nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like ready to see, like, I just know, I just know that in like two months, everything's kind of like chill right now, you know? Like it's kind of, well, I mean, the inauguration was a little, a little escalated, but I feel like everything's a little chill right now with everything at the moment. And I'm just waiting for like the first confirmed zombie. Like (laughs) I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. And listen, I have a theory. This is not a podcast about theories, but if we did have a podcast and it was about conspiracy theories, I would run it. Okay, so I have a theory that if the zombies are to, you know, be a thing, they need to start in Florida because in order to reach anything else, they have to go through some yee-yee states like all Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, Missouri, Mississippi, all of them, they got to go through them mofos first. And listen, they're crazy. They eat roadkill.
0: So I will say, and it's funny that you say this because Taryn Elliott, who is also also an author, um, has a Supernatural television show podcast. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. And I love, I am here, like here for it. Supernatural? Yes. Oh, I love Supernatural. Yes, she is on there talking about all things jensen knuckles i love him god he's hot i feel like look she might be coming on the podcast in april and march March, we're talking
1: all things supernatural she
0: has do you know he has two children arrow and archer he has three children well i mean he has two that's names are arrow and archer yes twins they're they're twins and the other one's name is like lennox isn't it her name is jj okay okay and he is married to the girl who played on one tree hill brooke no rachel okay 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 he played rachel (laughs) we've taken a left turn into supernatural and we could see here for hours and talk about this television show guys because it is one of my favorite shows
1: um but yeah i don't think that i really have anything like book world wise i know that we have i am so excited practically bouncing out for her today hair. because our special guest makes me want to cry like she's my she is one of my idols like she went in my head when somebody asked me what are do you like who do you like okay when somebody when I tell myself that I want to be a successful author and
0: I've, I've I envision what a successful author looks like it's her and I'd like to Pinpoint a story here about when we first booked her because (laughs) they did not know that I did this. I I went on from my from my blog email and sent her an email asking if she would like to join us, and of course she said yes. And then that meant I surprised her with it with MJ with it, and she freaked out for about (laughs) ten
1: minutes. Listen, on a side note, it's going to get super emotional at the beginning of this podcast because I am going to thank her for something that she did that I know that she's probably not gonna remember cause she probably gets like flipping 9,000 billion emails a day. But <laughs> I, e- I emailed a slew of authors when I first started to publish Love and Hockey. And cause I had no idea what I was doing, right? Cause this is just like a new world. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. I emailed her I don't know why. I think it, yeah, no, I emailed her because somebody had mentioned that she gives good advice on that stuff. She has stuff on YouTube to help new authors. And so I emailed her like a shot in the dark, okay? And she emailed me back like two hours later with like a flip ton of shit that I could do and like helpful tips and tricks and stuff like that. And like, literally it helped me so much. And I just thought that somebody that like, that's, popular and that you know established still makes time to email back little old little old me so yeah it made me super emotional and I'm gonna thank her for that so y'all just also
0: need um another good author that does that is Molly, Molly McAdams Hmm. Um, she actually does like a seminar thing on her um website yeah with that for new writers and no authors yeah and it's a self-publishing class I just
1: I don't know I just think it's cool I think any author that is a sta- established in a busy bee like that to just be able to make time to help people who are just starting out I think is incredible I, I aspire to be that kind of author I am that author feel free to message me whenever I mean I'm not as popular as
0: candy but I can help in some situations. <laughs> I do want to tell a story, though, about a really good book I read the other day. Okay, go ahead. So this book is not out yet. It comes out February 5th. Are you better I'm not. Going to, I'm not going to spoil it. But it is by Kristen Tarnage, and it's called The Edge of Happiness. And let me just tell you, when I sob, I sobbed. Oh. I full-blown ugly cried during this book. This and it strange. wrote so good what's a trope um that's a tough one i don't know if i could pinpoint a trope in that okay all right um she moves to her family's farm well into the, into this like country and her family has a bee farm and
1: small town
0: romance it, yeah so it's small town romance meets um what can I give away that won't give away the whole thing? What can I
1: say without giving it away?
0: She, she has a lot of issues. Okay, cool. She went through a lot of shit before she went there, and there was a reason why she went there. Um, And in return, she found herself, and it was like a coming home story. Yeah. Um, Her family grew up, her dad grew up there, and that was where her parents went a lot and it was really hard for her and because her mom died when she was three so but it's definitely a really 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 good book and I hope that on February 5th people go buy it because I loved it sounds good and it just had me sobbing so please have Kleenex ready when you go to read it (laughs) but
1: uh yeah so like I said, I have no like book world information cuz I've been in a hole. But I am super excited to get to talk to our guest. I am like a little nervous, my hands are sweaty, but uh let's hop on over there and uh, get to talking to her. Candy Steiner is a best-selling author and whiskey connoisseur living in Tampa, Florida, best known for writing emotional roller coaster stories. She loves bringing flawed characters to life and writing about real, raw romance in all its forms. No two Candy Steiner books are the same and if you're a lover of angsty, emotional, inspirational reads, she's your gal. When Candy isn't writing, you can find her reading books of all kinds, talking to her extremely vocal cat, spending and spending time with her friends and family. She enjoys live music, traveling, anything heavy in carbs, beach days, movie marathons, craft beer and sweet wine, not necessarily in that order. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, Candy Steiner uh,
2: yay and the crowd goes wild <laughs> yes. we need like one of those clapper <laughs> things
1: yeah no, yes we i do love it down
2: board where it's like claps are you <laughs> <goes> wild <laughs> well thank you so much for having me i'm really stoked to be here
1: Thank you. Um, so before we start get started with asking you questions, I need to say something to you. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this
0: may, this may I'm, not bring tears out now. <laughs> no, I'm
1: not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. So I just wanted to say thank you, um, mostly just because you're a very big like inspiration for me as like a new author. And so when I was like first publishing my first book last year, I emailed you because I emailed like a bunch of authors. And I emailed you not really thinking that you might respond because obviously I feel like you're very busy. You get like 8,000 emails a day or something. <laughs> and you email me back like an hour later with like a bunch of really cool tips and like really good ideas and helpful things. And so I just really wanted to say thank you for that. I really appreciate
2: oh, it. You're so welcome. Um, I I appreciate um, you thanking me. It's, it's, uh, it's something I love to do. And I... I felt this way ever since I started writing that I really do believe as writers and as women that we're stronger together, right? We're stronger when we share what we know and we build each other up. And um, so I try my best to live through that every single day. So um, even when I'm busy, I, I like to help when I can. So I hope that you found something helpful in the email that I sent and how's your writing how's your writing journey going? It is going
1: really good. I'm about seven months strong and I'm working on my fourth book now. So Woohoo! it's going really well. And yeah, so I just really wanted to thank you for that because I you're one of the, I think I messaged like 10 different authors and you're one of the only three that emailed me back. So I just like, Aww. I was like, oh, gosh, she's such an angel. and I just thought it was kind of amazing that somebody that I feel like is so established and I know that you know is busy doing things could take time to like email little old me back so I really appreciate it
2: oh Uh, thank you
1: but we are going to move on we're going to move on the (laughs) stuff but I told I needed to I needed to thank her publicly so people knew (laughs) that I did it um so I love it um we're going to move on to book questions Uh, narrowing down the books that I wanted to ask you about was nearly an impossible feat. (laughs) But I, I've narrowed it down to three and then we're going to talk about your new release. Uh, if you could give us a little information about that when we get to the end, but we're going to talk about three that I feel like were personally like my favorites.
2: Um, sure. So we're gonna start with a love letter to whiskey, which I feel like is iconic. Uh, of course, that's like the Candy Steiner book. Like when you hear my name, I feel like that's the book. If you don't know me at all, you've at least heard of that book. Yes, literally, I was
1: telling people I was like, you know, Candy Steiner is gonna be on the podcast, and like, oh, she's really popular. She's really popular. She wrote the the whiskey book, and I was like, yes, <laughs> <That's right>. definitely <laughs> her. So, um, this book, so Jamie and B, I think oh my God, like there's just so much to unpack in this novel. And I thought it was just such a powerful, like you wrote it in such a powerful way. Like where did or what inspired
2: the metaphor for like Whiskey
1: and Jamie? Like, where did that come from?
2: Yeah, so um, it really did start, all of it started, this whole book started from that metaphor. Um, I remember just um, being in a situation at that time in my life um, where I, I sort of, felt the burn of love, if that makes sense. Like I I was just sort of in a tumultuous time in my life and I found myself drinking whiskey and contemplating where I'd found myself in my love life. And I just thought, man, falling in love is a lot like drinking whiskey. And I was a little intoxicated right at the time. And so (laughs) as I start, as I start taking notes, it just starts getting deeper and deeper. And I think about, you know, falling in love and how it's like, getting drunk, and then the hangover, and then just so much more that goes into whiskey and how whiskey is made. And anyway, it started to flourish. And before I knew it, I saw B before I saw Jamie. Yeah. Um, B started really talking to me and kind of telling me who she was and what she wanted and the, the things that meant the most to her. Um, and then Jamie started coming into view. And I knew before I started writing this book that it was going to make me sick to write it. Like I I
0: could just Oh my God. I love I could that. just.
2: Tell. When they were in my head, and I mean, you will know this as a writer. You know, sometimes you have characters that are born in your brain, right? And they feel like they're a part of you. They feel like, um, you know, they're just they they hit close to home. And these characters not only did that, but they took over and became, these people that I never expected them to be but like in the best way and I knew I wrote that first chapter and the last line of it is you know I saw him first but he saw her right yeah. and and it's just and like I already just, with the heavy stuff <laughs> yes. and also you know this was my ode to myself to my best friends, to my, my family, to strangers, because I don't know a single woman who has not had a Jamie, a whiskey in their oh. life. And what I mean by this is I don't care if you ended up with them. And that's not what, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about at some point, you had someone in your life who felt like they were yours, but they weren't, or that you had some sort of relationship with them but it wasn't a clearly defined one right and there is no worse place to be than in that muddled mess but it's also addicting like so addicting
1: (laughs) absolutely and I feel like that's just like where the stereotypical attraction to bad boys come from I just like I I can I can and when you talk about it I can like genuinely feel it I feel like Jamie and B were like two separate emotions that you had compiled into like human beings as you were writing them. And so my friend recommended, this is the first book I ever read by you. And like my friend recommended it to me um, and I I read it and I was, I literally remember the, I have chill bumps thinking about it. I cried like a baby because exactly what you said, I feel like every woman has like has a whiskey. And like I did, and I was like, this is the most emotional (laughs) heart wrenching thing I have ever read in my life. And so, yeah, it was just like a super powerful reading experience for me. And Mm -hmm. this book deals with moral obligations when it comes to Mm -hmm. like love and relationships. And I know what it felt like for me reading it because I have been, I have been a B. And so like, what did it feel like for you to be there in that spot? Like to be both of them?
2: Well, I mean, I understand the feeling as well, right? And that was part of what I set out to do was to capture how messy a relationship can get, especially because the human emotions are so volatile, right? Like none of us are stable, none of us, especially yes. when we're younger, are. we don't have our lives figured out. I mean, it takes, we literally spend our entire lives just trying to figure out who we are. It yeah. is like a lifelong journey. So when I'm writing about the obligation of like being in a relationship with somebody, but then what happens when this person who you have and an undeniable chemistry with just keeps showing up. And it's like, yeah, I know I should say no to this person. I know that's the right thing to do, but every part of my body, all of the molecules that make up who I am are attracted to this human being who like for all intents and purposes, I should not be with, but I can't help but have my life revolve around them. And I will say to read this book, right? You have to either either have like either be young or remember what it's like to be young because you know i i have had readers who are you know in their 50s and 60s who have read this book and they get so frustrated even 30s and 40s they get frustrated with the games that b and jamie play with each other but when you're young that's exactly that's- what happens that you break it. up and you get back together and you
1: break up and yes. you get back together and that's what makes you love it so much is like that toxicity that you know is bad for you but you love it anyways yes Literally Oh my gosh in my life
2: so someday, the, the scene that I wrote that I will always remember where I was and and how I how I remember it like flying out of my fingertips. Like I think I blacked out and woke up on the other side of the scene was at the at the bonfire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I just remember her storming out of the bonfire and she's going like out into the parking lot and Jamie's following her and this explosive scene oh. happens where it's just like he finally is just like I can't let you go. You can't, like this thing between us is not going away, no matter yeah. how we try. And it's like this this moment, It, it just, it's, anyway, I, I will never forget it. And I think that's what makes this book stick with my readers and stick with me for so long, for years, right? Mm-hmm. is because of that powerful toxicity that we have all experienced and we can all relate to.
1: Exactly. And I think what I love the most about this book is that, I feel like girls everywhere got their happily ever after with their Jamie that they always wanted because I mean I feel like the reality of it is is like most of the time you don't end up with that Jamie like I didn't Mm -hmm. end up with Jamie and so it's like this was like this was like a rewrite of my life it was like this is my (laughs) this is my happy ever after. If this if he would have been, you know, how Jamie would have been, like, you know, if they would have matured together, kind of thing.
0: Absolutely.
1: And so I was like, yes, thank you so much for just ripping my heart out <laughs> and like torching it. But yeah, I love the book. It's iconic. I'm all I reread it sometimes when I need a good cry. And so oh. yeah. Also PS reader like listeners, the reason Stevie Stevie is being super quiet right now, but she's taking all of the reading questions. So don't think that I'm like over topic. (laughs) I understand I talk a lot, but like, this is not the situation. (laughs) Um, So moving on to the wrong game. Um, The wrong game even in the books that I feel like are a little bit I wouldn't even say rom because they're all angsty like even in the books that I thought were gonna be funny like you know like a soft <laughs> rom you were like no sorry like it's not funny this is a very emotional book as well and I was like this is great here I come from like literally using a whole box of tissues to like to crying even more so Zach and Jemma. I really have wanted to know like, where did this idea and this like meet you come from? Like, it's so genius. Like who (laughs) even thinks that like, I am going to meet somebody and then I'm going to take them to season tickets to a football game. Like what, like, where did that even come
2: from? Okay. So I am a big, I love taking baths. That's like my jam. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I, at this time in my life, when I was plotting, I wasn't even meaning to plot, but when the, when the idea struck me, I was living in an apartment in downtown Tampa. Um, I was like, I had been divorced for about a year at this time. I was really like secure in who I was. And I felt like, you know what? I think I'm like ready to date. I think I'm ready to like really try dating somebody. And I'm sitting in the bathtub and I'm thinking about dating and how crazy it is and how I've been out of the game for so long. And I, I am a season pass holder for the Tampa Bay Bucks, And I just thought as I'm sitting there man, wouldn't it be so awesome to take a guy to a football game? Like what a great first date! And like, you would totally steal their heart away if they're sports lovers. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, oh man, on the apps that would set me apart. I would be like, oh, Hey, come to a Bucks game with me. And then I said, scratch all that. I don't even care about doing this for myself. Now I'm thinking about a book and I just started going. I just, Gemma came into my mind and her story, her backstory, which is, that's where the feelings come from, right? This, this book is so. It's so painful in that respect into what she's been through but I, I loved writing this book because it starts with such a powerful emotional prologue and then the very next chapter is like Gemma and her hilarious best friend Belle just, oh like, what? This <laughs> just like walking to the bar right and then it, it kicks off so quickly it's like she meets Zach and Zach's like let me be your let me be your practice round right. And mm-hmm. that was what made this book was that he was just supposed to be the pregame, the practice round, like just to get her toes wet, and then he hangs out with her one night, and it's like I cannot let this girl go on another date with another dude, and I will figure out a way. So he buys the season tickets next to her and just shows up when she's there with another date. Like oh, how, dedicated. Go. <laughs> how dedicated?
1: I want a man to do that for me. Right? Like <laughs> yes. Jesus. I mean like really genuinely like one time one time we've met we've hung out and then you buy a season ticket next week <laughs> like what even is life honestly and I think you did um okay like I both loved and hated this emotion I had in my heart for Gemma's situation because it's like you made me feel sorry for I'm not mm. gonna be spoiling but you made me feel sorry for said guy but you also made me hate him yeah I want I to literally die, but like not. So also- <laughs> this, and- is
2: a, this is another book too. I can tell your brand of angst just from these first two books that you've mentioned, oh, right? Because you love the games. You love the games, just like I love the games. And the way that we love to sort of um, challenge those who we have affections for, right? Like, yeah. again, this is not a spoiler, but there, there's a scene where- Belle steps in as Gemma's best friend when Gemma's being stupid, right? And Gemma is just like, oh, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to fall in love. I'm trying to keep this guy at a distance. And and Belle is like, okay, sure. So she shows up to the game with Zach. (laughs) I was like to be like girl. Yes. She's like, oh, well, you said you're you're done, right? Like you don't want to date him. So it's totally fine that I'm here with him. And Gemma's like fuming, right? Because she she cares about (laughs) it. Oh, I love it. I mean, I think, so, like, even
1: the first, so, like, Love and Hockey, the first book I ever wrote, it was, like, testing soulmates, like, how far could you push, like, there was an age gap between them, so it was, like, one of those, like, bouncy, fourthy, backy things or whatever, (laughs) it was very, like, an angsty book, and I wanted to, like, test how far you can take soulmates, you know, before they, like, like, Crash into each other, you know, like how long can you test the faith of time before, like, eventually fate is just like, fine, we give up, be together, Jesus. (laughs) So uh, that's and I, and that's, and you do that and you're writing. And I think that's why I really love it. Like I, if a book doesn't make me cry, I don't want, I don't want to read it again. Like I want to cry. Somebody like, please. And Stevie laughs at me all the time because she reads like secret baby and like, like soft rom-comy things. And I'm like, no, I need to cry. I need, I need a good cry. Well, no, I, I love that. Occasionally. You cry occasionally. Yeah, you know, all the time. <laughs> so... Um, Zach is, I really loved his character. I think he's able to push Gemma, but he's also like super in tune with his own feelings. And he's not like your typical alpha. And you have a part in there where he's talking about how like his, he's a full blown feminist, you know? Like that's how his parents <laughs> raised him. And I was like, yes, yes sir. And so it's like that <laughs> your plan the entire time for him is to have
2: him be like more of that like uncommon alpha male. No, he totally took over. Like I- when I first wrote him I mean I think you can tell in that first scene at the bar right like he's just kind of like this like he knows he's hot he knows like yeah. he's you know whatever and he's just kind of like he's super confident super flirty like oh yeah let me be your practice round so it's like I'll take you to the game whatever yeah and as I'm writing him and I get it was it wasn't until I got inside his head that I realized how much deeper his story was right because he he has tragedy that he's faced in his life in regards in a completely different way, not necessarily in a relationship, but more so in his love for football and giving up that dream for his yep. family. Um and so And his younger you brother. Know, oh my god. His brother. Oh. Seeing at the dinner table, I
1: literally almost spit my drink out. I was like, this <laughs> is iconic. This is amazing. <laughs>
2: if i could pick one of my books to be made into a movie i really do think i would pick the wrong game like i just feel like it would be such a great movie and i i would love to see it i've know, never so watched or read anything like that ever it would be perfect oh. somebody <laughs> up, for real we need to get passion flicks
1: on board for real netflix screw passion we need yeah
2: netflix. somebody <laughs>
1: it on the phone but yeah so i just i really love this game and i loved uh, i really love this game i really love this book and i really liked I just really liked how the characters were both like compatible, but also opposites and the way they like tugged and pulled and, and then finally like coming together to, you know, have their happily ever after. So I really loved that one. And then the last one we're going to talk about is, I, God, I, I hope I say this right. I have a Southern accent and everything comes off.
2: Like I say <laughs> it wrong.
1: Revelry, is that how you say it? yeah okay. revelry
2: yeah okay i wait. know it's a hard word even for me to say and anytime i'm like talking about it, i have to really slow down i'm like revelry because that i want to say revel revelry
1: <laughs> that word let's just call it the book that stole my soul okay oh. so wren and anderson are iconic I love them. I am using the word iconic way too much. I need a dictionary. Okay. I so.
2: love this. I feel like a legend in your presence and I am you living are. for it. You are <laughs> literally a legend. Like I'm not
1: even joking. So what inspired the idea of writing like a divorcee woman, rinsing a cabin in like the literal middle of nowhere? And like, she, you know what? This is where she's going to
2: fall in love. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. So um, so the first, I actually got inspired by the location. I went to Gold Bar, Washington, um, the summer of 2016. I went with my best friend. Her brother had a cabin out there and they do a giant pig roast. And I met all his friends and all these people who make up this little cabin town. Oh. And I was like, I am obsessed with you and these people and this town. And I just, I was going through a lot of difficult emotions with my marriage at the time, mm-hmm. and I just started thinking about like what a cleansing place to be, what a place to like really find yourself um, by this river and in this charming little town and everything. Yeah. Um. And I just sort of like wrote down. I remember writing in my phone. Um, Girl goes to cabin after divorce to find herself and finds love instead. And that. And I closed it. And I just like never really thought about it again until. I actually got divorced, um, a few months after that, um, did it, was like one of those things that was brewing that I just didn't realize the eruption was so close, right? Like the volcano had been grumbling and I just didn't realize, and I found myself, I actually, I, you know, I was publishing a love letter to whiskey as my divorce was happening. And when it finalized, I found myself Mm -hmm. thinking about that book and thinking about gold bar. And so I asked my my best friend's brother if I could rent his cabin and he was like, I will let you stay for free. And I I know and I flew out. And it's crazy that we're talking today. I know this isn't gonna air until later, but the day that we're like we're talking, and it has been exactly four years since I went like four years ago today. I went to the cabin in Goldbar with a blank with a blank sheet of paper, right? And I and I locked myself in there for a week and I wrote the first half of Revelry and um for me, there were a lot of things going into this book, right? Like, of course there was a lot of me coming out in, in Ren. How could there not be when, when I was so close to the situation, but also it it was more than that. Like Anderson, Anderson ended up stealing the show for me. And he, I was so pulled into who he was as a character. And then all the characters in the town just took on a life of their own and they don't worry. Yes, And, um, it it just, it sort of became like, I remember writing it and and especially toward the end talking to my, my really great friend, Stacy Hart and being like, girl, I don't know if I can end this book with them being together. Like, I don't know if that's the right choice for Ren. I almost feel like at this point in her life, she doesn't need to be in another relationship. And she was like, this is where you've got to separate yourself from your character because you don't feel ready for a relationship right now, but that's not who your character is. So slip into yeah. Ren and really ask yourself where she is. And at the minute I did, I was just like, oh my God, I like, it, it was just this light bulb moment. So anyway, that's where it came from. Four years ago today, I flew out, stayed by myself in this snowy little cabin on the river, and I just dreamed this book to life.
1: It's so poetic. I love how, I love how, like, real and raw and, like, intense, like, the way you, and, like, passionate you t- you are when you talk about your books, and, like, I feel you were very in tune with your, I know, I mean, I personally don't know, I empathize with the, you know, that feelings that you were going through, but I feel mm-hmm. like you were super in tune with yourself in order to create such characters that were so relatable like I feel like if they walked into a bar be like I know who they are
2: (laughs) yes right like you feel like they're real people that's uh that's the best thing about about writing except I kind of feel like a crazy person when I talk about it (laughs) because it's like they're like but you made this person up and you're talking about them like they are like a human and I'm like right because to me they're not like in my head they're not just me they are real people you know exactly
1: so ma'am let's talk about the ending of this book okay like <laughs> it literally ripped my heart out of my chest like with of happiness so mama vaughn is like i could if there were like awards for like show stealer in a book it's her
0: <laughs> she,
1: she is, is amazing and and like i love that you i love that ending i love that you gave her like her own little happy ever after I literally was like crying like when it was happening I was like oh my god no I was like oh my god this is not happening (laughs) and so like did that like come as you were writing it or like like when you were talking about how like you had to step aside and like figure out what Ren wanted were you also trying to figure out what Mama Vaughn needed yeah you know so
2: Mama Vaughn she really did steal the show she um I, I don't know if you know this about me you might if you've been following me for a while but my mom's name is Levon, and everybody calls her Mama Vaughn that's where <laughs> I got the name for the character and so a lot of the advice that Mama Vaughn gives Rin in this book is like directly verbatim words that my mother told me and it's like mom. I, I, my mom is an angel. Like she is the true legend. If we're being honest, like she is the reason I'm able to do what I do. And, um, you know, what I loved about, about mama Vaughn was that she was so sassy and feisty and sure of herself and confident, but she also had regrets in her life too. And, and Bo being one of them, right. And she (laughs) lost her babe. Um, so For me, it was like she was so instrumental in Rin and Anderson's um, happiness that I couldn't end the book without just giving the reader a glimpse of, like, hey, Mama Vaughn gets hers too. You know, like she.
1: (laughs) I was like, yes. I was like, you're never too old to have your happy ever after. I literally cannot deal.
2: Well, and that's what I, that was the huge thing, right? Is that I feel like there's this misconception, especially when we're younger, that like, if we are not married by the time we're 23, we're like washed up and we're never going to find love. And the more we creep towards 30 or 40 or whatever, it's like, we become more um, depressed over not finding our soulmate. But the truth is that you can find them and lose them and find them again, as was the case in a love water to whiskey. Sometimes you don't find them until later in life when you've lived and- you know, gone through it. And so, yeah, I, I think that for me, Mama Vaughn was with a lot of things, but most, I guess, like importantly, an ode to my mother and a, and a sincere and heartfelt thank you to her for all the great advice she's given me in my life.
1: I love that. And I mean, like you said, it's just like, it, especially when you come from a small town like I have come from like I've been raised in like the same town in southwest Virginia my entire life I just moved mm-hmm. out of there thank Jesus but um, <laughs> and I mean I respect the town it, it made me who I was but it's also the kind of place where it's like if you do anything different than like going to a community college getting married and having a child immediately after it's like you have failed at life yep. And so I told people I was like, I'm going to be an author like and I knew that from like when I was a kid, like I knew that Mm -hmm. I was like, I know that's what I'm going to be one day. (laughs) So when I was when I was like really trying to pursue it and really like writing these books and I told people, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing. They're like, oh, that's that's neat. But what are you really doing? And I was like, I would, I cannot with, any. Anyway.
2: So- I feel like we are kindred spirits because I grew up in small town, Oklahoma. And it was like the exact same thing. I like, I knew as a kid that I wanted to be a writer and like, I feel like everybody was like, oh yeah, like sure you will be right. But it's not yeah. until you get out of the town and sort of start to make things happen that, um, you know, that they're like, oh wow, you're actually doing something different. Weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can do that. It's cool, isn't
1: it? <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think for, I think for, I think Ren did that on her own terms, like going, mm-hmm. like, like you said, like she went to kind of go find herself again and ended up finding, you know, love and Anderson. And Anderson ended up finding like forgiveness that I don't think he ever saw coming.
2: I know and what a fun way (laughs) like one of my favorite scenes from that is like it wasn't their meet cute right because they sort of met a little bit at the end of her driveway like well they saw each other but it's when she's like drinking wine and like having one of those moments that you and I feel like again every woman has been there where you're sort of at this like turning point in your life and you're like you got your music on and you're just Hanging out by yourself, maybe you're okay. dancing or whatever. But for her, she was naked in a hot tub, spilled her wine, broke the glass. I literally was like, "This is <laughs> I, this is amazing." I literally love it. <laughs> he he walks up and she's like, here's her screaming, and he walks up and she's literally bleeding and soaking wet and naked. Like, what a great meet cute!
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, we we got to go somewhere from here, pal. Right? <laughs> naked and bleeding. <laughs> um the so last question involving this book in the acknowledgements which i always read because i feel like they're very important you said something about how you've you said something that i've always been curious about you believe in like many paths to love either right neither right or wrong and have you always felt that way or did something like you know like something like your divorce like change that way The saw that you saw things
2: Um, Can you repeat the first part of the question sorry I yeah let's start over (laughs) sure sure you're fine so in the acknowledgments
1: of this book which I read because I love them you said something that I've been super curious about you believe that there are many paths to love and that neither are right or wrong and have you always felt that way or did something like happen personally like your divorce or something of that nature that changed the way you saw things
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, It definitely came later in life, right? When I was younger, I was sipping the the Disney princess fairy tale Kool-Aid and I just felt like, and I grew up in a small town, like we've talked about. So I felt like there was one path. It's like you, you graduate and either you go to college and then get married or you get married straight away and then you get the house and then you have the kids and whatever. And that's what you do. And you stay with this one person forever and that's your person. But what I didn't consider is that sometimes you marry the wrong person, or sometimes you think you found someone who is great for you, and maybe they are at that time in your life, and then you start to grow apart, right? And, and it's not as, it's not as easy as just like, oh, let's push through this together. If it's, if you're now married or in a relationship with someone that you don't even recognize anymore, right? Um, or that makes you feel like you've got to be somebody that you're not. Um, and that's like- not even-
0: it's that's like not people, even like
2: sorry. oh sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, that's not even the only path, right? Like, I mean, that's one that can happen and the or two, I guess, that I've mentioned. But there's also like we talked about, you can you can spend time on yourself for decades and then try to find love if you if you want it. Or sometimes you're trying actively not to find love yes. and it finds you. <laughs> I mean, I think and I feel like people.
1: I just feel like people think that like when you say like oh you know you know I've been divorced or like I've been with this person forever and we've went our separate ways they're like oh like that's like a failure and it's like no yep. it's like if I get if I got married you know today and then 10 years in like five years from now who am I gonna be in five years like what if that person is not compatible with the person that I have married and I don't think there's anything wrong with realizing that you've outgrown somebody and that Mm -hmm. you feel like you need to like continue to grow separately because I've always told like everybody including my dad who's like Lord Jesus love him to death but God Almighty so I've always told him I was like I if you know when I get married like when I married and stuff like that I don't ever want to feel like I'll have to stay with that person my whole life, because if I start to outgrow them or we are not growing anymore, there's no reason why we should be together. Cause like, why be miserable the rest of your life when there's like a whole new girl,
2: that was the thing. Right. And you'll, and you'll see that reflected in revelry was like a big part of, of me admitting to myself and to my ex-husband that like, this was the right thing to do was Mm -hmm. just admitting like, we're not happy. We have not been happy. And why are we spending our lives being unhappy? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like this makes no sense. And it's like, you will be happier on the other side of this. And so will I, and it doesn't diminish anything that we've had. It doesn't mean that what we had wasn't great and important and valuable in so many ways. It just means that now, like, it's not, it's not what's right for us. And I will say like, you know, if you've been in a relationship, if you're listening to this and you're married and you've been married a long time, or even just in a relationship with someone a long time, there are ebbs and flows, there are ups and downs and there you are tested, right? You're tested Mm -hmm. in every step of your relationship. And there are some things that you push through together as a team and you come out and maybe someone loses their way a little bit, but you stand by their side and you pull them back. But there are other situations where it's like, it's like you hit a fork and I took the right path and he took the left path. And it's like, there is no meeting in the middle these. Like we are now on two completely separate paths that can no longer cross. Yeah. And so we have no choice, but to either stay miserable and together or to let each other go to find joy. And it's like, in my opinion, you, there is no, th- that's not even like a decision. That's like, you should already know that you should yeah. always reach for joy, you know?
1: I could literally listen to you talk all day like <laughs> I could literally listen to you talk all day um oh, I'm loving this the the new okay so we're gonna talk about your new release the pain I have not read it yet okay okay I haven't. yeah it in the middle of a work in progress so the pain in loving you is your latest release can you tell us a little bit about that without you know giving away spoilers or anything or do yeah, it,
2: I mean, it's up to you. so here's the, here's the thing. Um, so you have read The Pain and Loving You, or at least part of it. So The Pain and Loving You is actually a box set of my other works. So it includes oh A my- Love Lard Whiskey, Weightless, and Make Me Hate You. And so like, I, like, it's, oh it's all, it's all my like super angst fest books put into one box set and it's it's the pain and loving someone right and so that's where the the title of the box set came from now what's special (laughs) what's special about this box set that I haven't done in the past is that if you are an audiobook listener which if you're listening to a podcast I assume you probably enjoy audiobooks as well um you can get all three books for one audible credit so that's kind of like what the purpose was was to sort of offer my audible listeners a little treat and everything um so yeah, so it's a box set and you can read three of my like most well-known books, my Inks fest, um, or listen to them totally up to you or get the really pretty paperback. It's a thick boy, like real thick. Yeah.
1: So. Oh my God. I already have, one. <laughs> I have all of those. Oh my God. I'm gonna buy it.
2: I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> You're like, like oh, I'm like one little unit. Oh my God. I love yeah. that. I did not well, know. Okay. But since okay, so since that's a box set, let me tell you a little bit about Close Quarters, which is coming out soon. How about okay, Yes, please go ahead. Tell me. Okay. So so Close Quarters is um, it comes out February 18th, mm-hmm. and the cover cover reveals February 1st. Um, and I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> it so Close Quarters. Uh, My, my heroine Aspen, she is over in Spain with her boyfriend Mm -hmm. and her boyfriend works on yachts. He's worked on yachts for, for years. Right. And he's about to sail the Mediterranean for the summer for a yacht job. Now they just graduated and Afin is a photographer. She wants to be a street photographer and her like lifetime dream is to be in Life Magazine. So oh, yeah, she's like, I'm just gonna, while you're working, I'm gonna go um, solo backpack through Europe and get pictures, right? And we'll meet up love- and we'll fly back to the States together. However, she gets on the boat for a tour. Her boyfriend, Joel takes her on a tour whatever. And, and she's feeling a little queasy. So he goes to find her medicine and then his boss walks on board. Theo Whitman oh no Theo Whitman is a billionaire alpha badass gets anything he wants and he takes one look at Aspen and guess what he wants oh no I want (laughs) today (laughs) so I'll leave it at that um I'm I, I love this book so much it's actually with my beta readers right now and I'm getting like feedback that that I haven't had in a long time like like the kind of ang- <laughs> the kind of angst that makes them r- reminds them of a love letter with you right oh my to, god. which to me survive. is like my crown jewel so survive it. oh my
1: god I'm so excited oh my I'm literally so excited hold up let me drop this down in my little calendar over here
0: her talking about February. So way- me all the below the deck feels I have literal chill bumps
2: yes yes that's exactly it that's exactly
1: it i have been talking an entirety of too much so stevie why don't you just take us on to reading questions
0: um let's see do you read the same genre you write in
2: I do read romance. I, I really enjoy reading romance and I'm definitely, um, like MJ said, I, I prefer the angst. Like when I am going to read something, I will either go into my reader group or, um, go to my TBR and pick out the ones that I've heard are really angsty. Cause that's what I love. And I also read for friends, right? Like, um, I I've never missed a Stacey Hart book. I've read all of her books. Um, and even though she writes romantic comedies, um, and like Carla Sorensen, Brittany Cherry. I have a, a lot that I, that I read frequently. However, I also really love psychological thrillers. I love young, young adult, especially like fantasy or dystopian. Me, um, I'm the same person. <laughs> <laughs> um, And I actually, when I was in college, I studied writing nonfiction. So I really enjoy reading nonfiction as well. And I love to write it. Um, I just haven't published anything of that variety yet. It's a little more personal, so it takes a little more time. Um, So yeah, I I love, I'm a bookworm at heart, like through and through. I like it.
0: Is there an author that you look up to?
2: Oh man, there are so many authors that I look up to. I mean, Brittany Cherry, who I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. I I look, she inspires me in every way, not just as a writer, but as a human being, she's just such a lovely light in this community and in this world. Um, So so I really look up to her.
1: (laughs) How you feel about her is how I feel about you. I
2: love it. That's so sweet. (laughs) I, that truly means so much to me because, you know, like, and no matter how long I do this, right. I still wake up every single day and feel like I'm that 23 year old girl who was writing like nine o'clock to midnight every night, just trying to make this dream come to life. <laughs> and so the fear that anybody looks up to me is like floor, it floors me in like the best way. So thank you. Oh,
1: no problem. Anytime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you have a favorite book? I have many favorite books. Um, the Catcher in the Rye was like, has been that that title holder forever but mm-hmm. since we're you know we're talking about romance books my favorite romance book is thoughtless by s.c stevens um we just we
0: talk about this all the time because he I'm such loves this book i haven't read it yet
1: what i'm sorry don't you You are not <laughs>
0: outlived
2: lived until you jump on this kelly and kyle train i haven't yes. read it yet I will tell you this from what we've talked about in this podcast alone, you will become crazy obsessive with this book. Just like I did. Like I stayed up till four o'clock in the morning to finish the first one. And then promptly went to booktube and watched like trailers that readers had made, like fans had made (laughs) and all kinds of crazy stuff. Like this was the first time that I felt wrapped up in a fandom before where I was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't get enough of these books and these characters. And, um, this is a slight spoiler, but like one of the scenes that I will never forget and that I have bookmarked, I literally still go back to and read is, um, when she is sitting on the couch with Kellen and it's before anything has happened. And like, it's the, the band is just like drunk and like being silly whatever. And they're hanging out and they put on porn and she's sitting next to him (laughs) and there's porn on the TV. And he's like, his like lips, part and he starts breathing a little bit heavier and she starts feeling like all of this stuff coming from him and there's all this angst and tension between them but oh she wow. has a boyfriend who's like in the band with him so like or like rooms with him not in the band but like is yeah, his roommate, roommate. Hot. and oh my god and I'm just like I cannot I I could not breathe and I still go back and read that that scene because to me like sc stevens nailed in the in the pro, in the very like beginning in the birth of indie romance she nailed angst like she is the angst mother like she birthed <laughs> to all of us <laughs> she did she did she is the reason that there is like an angst squad that is so strong in our community yeah oh you
0: think the feedback bags were a real read. band i need to read it
2: you, what, you what that really,
0: you would really think the D Bags were a real band? Oh yeah, how much I loved that book. <laughs> I'm still I reread those books all the time because they're my favorite thing in, since sliced bread. <laughs> I agree, so amazing.
2: What makes you love a book? Oh man, I, I there's a lot of different things. I will say, like I, as much as I love angst. Right. Um, That for me, obviously, if you give me that gut wrenching, like I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to be sick feeling, then you've won my heart. Like, that's what I look for in a book when I'm reading it and when I'm writing it. Um, But I just have a real appreciation for craft. So Mm -hmm especially with indie romance right there's a lot and I don't mean this in any sort of like negative or derogatory way but there there are a lot of books and authors that I would consider a dime a dozen meaning like I can pick up their book and then pick up a book that is written by somebody else and it's like reading the same thing it's kind of cotton candy kind of fluffy kind of formulaic I know exactly what I'm getting anytime I read a romance and I am surprised either by the level of the author's writing or by the storyline or the character or whatever if you surprise me I will never forget that book or that reading experience I just recently read Gianna Darling for the first time and I I love love her I, I adore her right and I we were friends on social media and I just think she's such a sweet bubbly kind person I loved you know, just her, what she puts out into the world. And I was like, you know, I really want to read her. So I'm not an, a motorcycle club person. I don't like oh. MC, not what a fan. Did you read? I know. I So I read, um, oh man, which her, her newest one, uh, not the one that came out in December. Um, Welcome to God. the Dark Side, Inked and no, Lies. Inked and Lies, thank you. Nova yeah.
0: and Lila. Oh,
2: yes, okay. yes, Flower Child.
1: Flower-, Flower Child,
2: oh my God, Nova is the, oh my God. And sexy. I, w- I messaged her after reading, like, the first two chapters, I think, and I was like, excuse me, you did not tell me that you were a literary genius. Why no. have you been holding out on me? <laughs> wait till you read, wait till you read,
1: welcome, well, wait till you read uh, Dead Man Walking. It is so just, like, ele- elevated, like, literally, like, it's insane. Like, it's insane how, like... And- And if you like psychology, if you like nonfiction, you will love this book. It's like nonfiction, Mm -hmm. psychology, thriller, romance, MC. (laughs) All, all of
2: it together. <laughs> so, like, I know that the listeners can't see this, but you should see MJ's hand signals as she was like, she was like meshing it all together. It great. <laughs> it's great.
1: Italian, so my hands move a lot. Okay. I
2: love that. I so love
1: that. Funny. An Italian yeah. with a Southern accent. <laughs> oh yeah. That's from my mom's side. My mom's French Italian and my dad is like country. So. Yeah, I love it. That's great. It's a fantastic
0: combination. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, what's a trip you rarely
2: read, but wish you did. Mm, Rarely read, but wish I did. Well, you know, okay. So this just recently came up too. Um, I've never got into mafia and I know that like mafia is huge and everybody loves the mafia and I cannot get into it. I tried one um, by a pretty well-known author and I enjoyed her writing, but the mafia stuff just took me out of it. And I was like, Ugh, I'm not interested in this. I just don't, I don't like it. I'm not whatever. <laughs> and there is a, there's a, a book right now that Angie from Angie's dreamy reads is like geeking out over. Um, I think the author is Lori Danielle. Um, oh, it, and it's like my sweet obsession. And oh, yeah, she, she was talking favorite. about, she was talking about how it's like a super angst fest and she's obsessed with it and she can't stop thinking about it. And I'm like, I need that in my life. <laughs> but I just am not a Mafia fan. So I'm like, do I push past it and try it anyway? Like, I wish that I loved Mafia because I feel like there's a lot of great angsty stuff in Mafia stories, but I can't get past the, like, I'm just not a Mafia fan thing. <laughs> it's, it's
0: hard to
1: get into. It's hard to get into Mafia. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call my, call myself like a, like, if I read a book and it's in like the plot is good and I like the characters, then I will like the mafia book. But it's not like I go through like my TBR and I'm like, I want to read mafia. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a hard thing to get into because I feel like it's really
2: difficult to relate to, you know? Because yeah. like I've never been in a mafia before, right? That's the thing too. <laughs> so I read um I read The Kiss Thief by L.J. Shen and I really liked that one. Um, but it had the again the mafia thing just kept taking me out of it. Like I loved the two main character stories and i loved the angst and like she's it's like a beauty and the beast kind of like she's forced to live with him and like she's forced to marry him and all these things and like i loved all of that but anytime the mafia stuff and like the drama of like people getting killed and police chief stuff came in i was just like ugh, i like skip over it i don't even have care.
1: you ever read saffron can't
2: Yeah, I so I read half of like I think it was her debut novel or her second novel. I really did enjoy it, but I haven't picked her up since.
1: Okay, so she wrote a book called My Darling Arrow, which is like a like her most recent book in her Saint Mary's series. And if you like like angsty, like pull at your heart, tempting moral obligations of a relationship, (laughs) that's epic. It's okay so good. It's so good. It's like a Older sister's boyfriend, ooh, yeah, not, yeah, it's okay. Epic. And Arrow is, oh god, <laughs> Arrow is like, phew, I don't even have words for him. He's like an asshole, but like, ugh, I don't even know. He's just amazing. He, it's amazing. Older,
2: so older sister's boyfriend just always makes me think of Jessica Hawkins and Lake and Manning. Oh my god, i <laughs> yes. god. So, obsessed. But
1: yes, you can totally pick it up. It's really good. I recommend it.
2: Okay, cool. Um, final question. What's the first book that ever made you cry? Oh man. You know, the first book I, I, I'm sure, I, I feel like I remember when I was younger being emotional over books. Like I'm pretty sure I cried when I read Harry Potter, um, <laughs> like certain Harry Potter installments and stuff. But romance wise, the one that I remember first got me was The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, um, of course you got everybody. everybody writing pride on that
0: book then you are not human
2: I I agree and I just like the writing in that was superb and you know I was still a young writer myself when that came out like I was really finding my voice and I when I read that book I just like I remember closing it and like looking at myself in the mirror and being like you can do better, like challenge yourself, push yourself. If you want to be like a writer that you as a reader would look up to and admire and like be an automatic one click author, then you've got to step outside of your comfort zone and write the things that really matter to you. It was like the first time that I dropped, like, I would say my first four books were what I call fluffy angst. It's like, yeah, there was angst in there, and yeah, there was like some tension and stuff, but it was kind of rom commy, kind of fluffy, kind of formulaic. And it wasn't until Waitlist that I said I want to write something that's important to me, something that fills me with more. Mm-hmm. And I haven't stopped writing like that since then. I, I don't think I ever could again.
1: I'm gonna have this on replay as like my mantra when I get <laughs>
2: unmotivated.
1: Yeah. Um, um. I would like to. So I guess for coming. I don't even know how to explain what I'm about to say, but I'm going to try to. So like, I feel like for me, when I read people like, uh, like, well, you obviously, Um, and like Monica Robinson and Saffron Ken and people who I feel like are like very like angsty romance writers, when I have got to read you guys. And so that is kind of like, yeah, I need to get my shit together. Like, this is we've got to pack a punch here. And so when I write angst, um, I write, I don't, like, realistic angst. Like, if a billionaire is on the side of the road and his tire's flat, I'm not going to cry for the dude. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to write, I write, I think when I started it, I wanted to write things that, like, meant something to people. So, like, I deal with, like, a lot of mental illness and, like, um. suicide and, like, drug abuse and uh, addiction and, like, stuff like that, things that people can relate to and, like, need to, like, and can show, like, people, like, overpowering it and how that, yes, you can find love through that, but it doesn't, like, heal your demons or, like, heal your mental illness, and so that's what my main focus is for every single book I write, is whatever topic that I'm dealing with is that I show that, yes, you can find love in this situation but it doesn't mean that love was like this cure all because I feel like a lot of people like not a lot of people I feel like some people mm-hmm. do that and I think it's a really bad thing for young girls or even young men who read to be like oh if you fall in love with somebody you know your depression is cured or your yeah bipolar disorder is healed and it's like. No, no, no. It's like, you can love somebody with that and you can have a great relationship, but it's never not going to be there. It's like a part Absolutely.
2: of it. Absolutely. And I think that that's the thing too, is like, you know, there, there are a lot of people who have told me to my face at signings, like, oh, I don't want to read your book because I, I read romance to escape into a fantasy. I don't want to read about real things. I don't want to read about romance. that's going to make me cry and whatever. And I, and I respect that. I respect that a lot of, a lot of people pick up romance to escape and to sort of like, um, you know, get swept up in, in the romantic feelings or in the, in the comedy of it or, or just in those feelings of falling in love, right? Falling in love is fun. Um, but then there are those sick, twisted weirdos like us who really wow. liked him. I mean, it's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, think, anyway, you I think you get that. swept up in like, um, like the realistic feel of falling in love with what love really looks like in mm-hmm. all its forms. And so I think that that's what you do very well. And I aspire to do very well one day. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, But moving to writing questions, which I'm going to do this one. I feel like I talk way too much. It's fine. So, writing questions your love of storytelling, where did that come from? Have you always been like a. Writer, like you always knew that you wanted to be one, or like what happened? Like, did a book
2: hit you in the head and you were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so I fell in love with reading really young, but I think third grade was the first time that I wrote, I started writing poetry about boys, right? So, not much has changed. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. and In fourth grade was the first time I read the first Harry Potter book and I remember finishing it and I went home and I told my mom I said forget it I don't want to be a rock star anymore I don't want to be a veterinarian anymore I am going to be JK Rowling when I grow up (laughs) and. It was like, that was, and from that moment on, I mean, I went into middle school and I started writing my own newspaper and distributing it to the school. Like I would print it on my mom's (laughs) old ass printer, which y'all are probably too young to even know what I'm talking about. But like, (laughs) there were these little hole strips on the side that you had to like tear off. And then like, there was like a yellow copy and a white copy. I don't know what you're talking about. And I used comic sans and like, you know, made it in word and stuff. And anyway, and, um, and then in high school, I did creative writing, I was the yearbook editor, I was on the newspaper, um, I really thought that I was going to go into maybe into journalism. And when I went to college, um, I was studying both advertising and public relations was one major, and then I had creative writing. And I really took to nonfiction writing. In fact, like my my professors who know that I write romance now, they're they're shocked. They're like, I just I can't believe that this is where you ended up. Not that they you know are upset about it by any means, but they're just like, you were you were so um, profound with like your nonfiction that it's interesting to me that romance was what ended up speaking to you in the end. Um, but I I love to write about you know, the human experience. And when I was in college, I didn't really understand how to, how to talk about it through fictional characters. So I just talked about my own life, right? Like it was easy yeah. for me to sit down and write about growing up in a small town, growing up around addiction, growing up with a single mother, growing up with, you know, like toxic really relationships that. coming in and out of the house. Like there's so many things, right? Yeah. Um, but when I graduated and I, and I was back to reading for pleasure again, I read Fifty Shades of Grey, and I loved it I was obsessed and so I went online and said okay I I said I just read this what should I read next and and one of my friends from high school said I don't know if you've tried indie romance but pick up the wrong or the perfect game or is it the perfect the yeah the perfect game by um Jay Jay Sterling Sterling. yeah and girl oh (laughs) man that Carter Jack Carter and I read so I read that book and I remember I I, then I read Jillian Dodd I read a few others and and I just was like I had this leaky faucet of an idea for Tag Chaser and I was like man I should just write this and as a New Year's resolution I'll publish it and just like see what happens just like to see what you know what happens and then it was like that leaky faucet turned into like a rushing waterfall that has just not (laughs) stopped yeah (laughs) so
1: I think my favorite thing ever to tell people is that, so when I was in high school, I had an English teacher and I'm not going to name her, but one day I might, like, if I ever become like (laughs) real real big, I'm going to be like, yeah, calling you out lady. So (laughs) I think that, okay. So I had this English teacher that she did not like me for some reason. It's probably because I talk a lot, but it's fine. So she did not like me and she had us write the ending to this short story and it's called like the tiger and something the princess i think it's what's called and so she had us write the ending to it because it ends in a cliffhanger and i remember she was like you can write it from the point of view of like the princess or the prince or you know like whoever you want right and i sat down and i was like i'm gonna write it from the point of view of the tiger and yeah so that's what i did And she made me like, she was like gonna embarrass me. Like she wanted me to get up and read it in front of class, right? Cause she just didn't like me. There was just something about her that, (sighs) I don't know. We did not get along. And so she made me get up and I read it in front of class. And she was like, wow, that was really good. And I was like, now that I know that one people that don't like me said it was good, yes I could do this yes. <laughs> so, yeah. it's like that validation yeah I was like yeah you know what that's it and I think that was like the biggest moment for me like I've always loved reading and I've always loved writing but I think that was like the big moment for me where I was like yeah that's it this is what I want to do forever for the rest of my oh life my for sure I love um, that so for you what does a typical day of writing look like like do you try to hit a word count is there a fixed schedule an outline you like fly on the seat. Oh
2: man. So uh, when I was working full time, which I was up until I didn't quit my job until after I published revelry and I, and I, I left my full-time job a little bit after that. So for the first eight books that I wrote, yeah. Um, I would work and work out and cook dinner and take care of stuff at home and whatever. And then I would sit down and write usually around eight, seven thirty-eight, maybe nine, depending. And just write until my eyes were like bleary and then go uh. to sleep and get up and do it all again. Mm-hmm. Um I used to love writing at night. I really did. And now I am so opposite because right, this is my job and mm-hmm. and I get I have found that I am the freshest first thing in the morning so for me a typical day is like I'll take my dog for a walk I'll meditate I do some journaling and drink my coffee and stuff like that read some poetry Mm. and then I immediately jump into Mm. writing because Nothing has happened in my day yet. Right. There's been no chance for anybody to like dump their shit on me. There's been no chance (laughs) for like, there's no news going on. Like nothing has happened. I'm in my nice little bubble. I have woken up. I've been on a nice walk. I've meditated. I've done whatever. I've done all these great things. And so I sit down and I write and it, as far as like what my goal is that day, it depends. Sometimes early on, usually it's a word count goal. And then as I get toward the middle to end of the book, it becomes a scene or chapter goal where I can kind of see what's left. And I'm like, okay, this is when I, this is what I want to achieve today. Um, And I usually write until one or two in the afternoon. So I'll take the morning up until one or two depending. And then, um, and then I spend the rest of the day doing like marketing and social media and emails and podcasts and yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> um, and then I go pole dance and it's great. That's where I release all of my frustrations <gasps> at night. <laughs> I, I That's so bad. It, it is fast. incredible. Yes. Yes. So I started taking pole dance fitness like two and a half years ago and I am so, unlo- it has like changed my life, like changed who I am. My I am so confident and strong now. And like, I feel so good in my skin, which I feel like as women, we go through a lot of shit in our childhood and in our early adulthood that like really makes us feel a lot of different things about ourselves, none of them being good. So like this was kind of my, my, my take, I'm taking this back. I'm taking all of my confidence back and my strength back and like my solidarity and like my solidity, excuse me, and who I am. So anyway, it's fantastic. It's super fun. It's really freaking hard, (laughs) but so fun.
1: I want to, okay, this is like TMI, but I don't even care because I'm super open about it. Like any, like it, it doesn't matter. So my mom was a stripper back in the day. Um, so yeah, that's actually how my mom and dad met. It's so cute. It's like a meet cute. Oh. <laughs> um,
0: so, that is
1: awesome. So that's actually how they met. Um, but yeah, so my mom was a stripper back in the day. And I remember telling her, I think I was like 18 and I was like, I want to take a pole dancing class. And she thought and I was like, gonna be a stripper. I was like, uh, of course, no. I was like, no, <laughs> I don't have rhythm. And I was like, I want to take it for like exercise, mother. Yes, and yes, she was like, Jesus, give me a I know.
2: back my my mom was stressed out too when I first told her and my and my um my stepdad was like uh excuse me I mean are you trying to tell us like are your books not doing well anymore <laughs> I'm like <laughs> no it's not that um but now my mom like I will send her my routines and like stuff that I work on in class and she's just like living for it so um it's cool it's really cool there's a there's a new um a new show coming out on Netflix so um if you're if anybody listening is curious about it um you should watch it when it comes out. I think it's stripped down, rise up is what it's called. So keep an eye out for that.
1: I'm going to try, try it. So last writing question, how, and this is, I feel like this is really important. How do you handle negative feedback?
2: Oh man, if you would have asked me this question five years ago, it would have been a completely different answer. Um, I was very, very tender in the beginning of my career, very tender and very defensive. Um, I I was like I had beta readers and they would tell me something that they wanted change or something they thought would be different. And instead of like accepting their feedback and thinking about it and wondering like why did they give me that feedback? How do I address it? Like whatever. I would just be like no don't you understand this is why I did it that way here is my character I don't understand what you're not getting and they're like no I I get what you're saying but like I didn't that didn't come across in the book and I'm like okay but like now you know and they're like yeah but you don't get to talk to your readers right anyway so I learned a lot I see you covering your face I'm assuming that you're much like me (laughs) um um I'm blessed that I have a, so I
1: have an alpha reader. Her name is Melissa. I talk about her on this podcast all the time. And she's like, God, you got to stop shouting me out like that. My husband's going to listen to this podcast and be like, Jesus. But (laughs) Melissa is such like, I'm so thankful for her because I think she's getting that out of the way for me. Cause when I first started writing, I was like you know, I was very like that. And then she is so blunt and so honest. Like she loves my writing and she, she's like, yeah, you know, the writing's great. She's like, but this isn't coming across the way you want it to. And I'm like, but see, this is why I did it. And she's like, it doesn't matter. She's like, yeah. this is how, it's, yep. this is not how you can do it however way you want to, but I'm telling you that it's not coming across this direction.
2: But like, see, it's it's readers, it's it's people like Melissa on your team that will make you a better writer and that will be the difference between you having a mediocre book and having an excellent book. Because here's the thing, if you're listening to this and you're a writer or you're thinking about writing, you don't be one of those people who has what I call cheerleader betas. Meaning, you have a beta team, right, of like ten people, and you send them your book, and they write back and say, "Oh my gosh, it's amazing! There's nothing to fix. You're fantastic! Wow, congratulations! Just hit publish now!" Because you wrote. <laughs> right. Because as I don't even know if it was actually him that said it, or if it's been if maybe it was born before it, but um, I think it was Ernest Hemingway who said the rough draft of anything is shit, right? The first draft yes. of anything is shit. Okay. And if you for one second feel like your first pass at a book is the best that it can be, like, just just stop it, you just need to like oh, yes. sit down and, and and be real with yourself, you know, um, so It took, I had to let my guard down. I had to put my little tender heart, you know, aside and just say, okay, as a writer who wants to be an even better writer. How do I take this feedback and apply it? Right. And, and even if I don't agree with it, where's the, where's the miscommunication? How did, how did they end up seeing it this way while I wanted it to be this way, whatever the case may be. Um, And I do that with negative reviews too. Like some one-star reviews are just like, I didn't like your book. Right. And I can't help them. If they didn't like, if they don't like angst, if they thought the characters were dumb, whatever. But if I get a a, a, a one-star review or whatever, a two-star review, even that says something that is applicable, something that I can take and apply to my future writing, I will. Um, because any writer can grow. Any writer can be better, no matter how good you think you are, or someone tells you you are. So you have to be open to that. So yeah, back in the day, I was not receptive to critical feedback. Now I like live and breathe that shit. Like I want people to tell me why. So. Yes.
1: And so Like Melissa's the best. And like, I have this habit and I think this is like my dad in me. I'm a pessimist. So everything I write, I feel like is shit. 10 drafts in, it's shit.
0: Oh my God, it. you are awful with that.
1: And so, <laughs> I hate it. and so I'll have, you know, like, it's like the last draft. It's like arcs are out or whatever. And people are like, oh, this is, you know, really good. Yada, yada. And I'm like, oh, they're lying lying it's bad I know it I
2: feel it you are I, so much like my so Stacey Hart is the same way mm-hmm. she will like rip her rough draft apart and edit it and edit it and edit it and even when it's like the most beautiful gemstone of a like <laughs> book that I've ever read in my life she doesn't believe it even when like when when her beta readers tell her when arc readers tell her when the reviews start coming in and they're all five stars she's like no nah, they're lying I don't believe it I don't believe it yeah
1: it's like I don't believe it but it's like thank you I'm glad that you enjoy it I really appreciate it I feel like yeah. it shit but like right, right. I feel like if I tell myself that I won't be disappointed if it really is.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going I was going to say I think that's sort of a defense mechanism or like a protective mm-hmm. way to think about it, right? It's like, oh, well if anybody attacks me, well I already knew that it wasn't great, you yeah. know? Um so I totally get that. So I'm going to have to grow from that,
1: but as of right now I <laughs> feel Um so we are going to move on to trope questions, which is the last portion of our podcast. Sadly. Okay. We literally talked to you for like eight hours. Um, (laughs) What is your favorite trope to write, and why? Can't you can't say angst?
2: Oh, I know. I was I was just thinking that I'm like I can't say angst. Um, (laughs) I really I I really love to write love triangles or like um, I guess like morally um, ambiguous. uh, uh, I don't know if that's a trope, but like love affairs, triangles, um, things like that. Um, But if we're talking about like really tropey, tropey. Sports romance I guess is that considered a trope I guess that's like that's pretty tropey it's definitely um but I for me it's like no matter what I write it's just got to be forbidden or have some sort of like element in it like the only book I think I've ever written that didn't have that is the right player and I loved it so like the right player is like my most rom com book yeah. ever and it's because it's Belle right like Bell's yeah. freaking hilarious nice. yeah <laughs> and so you take this like badass girl who like is like I can't be bothered by love and relationships like I don't have time for that I, whatever I'm not into it yeah. and then you take this like beastly wide receiver who's like ripped and super hot and he's like this softy romantic Teddy like bird. at heart oh my god yes. I love them <laughs>
1: They were great. I loved that book. I really did. Thank Bell, you. It just like, God, I I, I aspire to be that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's my girl. She's my girl. <laughs> okay, what's next?
0: What's one outside of the box trope you'd love to write?
2: Ooh, a trope I'd love to write. You know, oh gosh, that's a hard one. <laughs> Hang on, I'm thinking. Um...
1: Pause for
2: thinking. Yes, I know. Thank you. Yeah, I'm like, are you guys gonna edit this? Um, <laughs> um, so I guess the first thing that pops in my mind, and I have written it before um, with Sydney, is like a single parent. But I want to write a single dad, like really bad. Um, yes. I am like, I am like dying to write a single father, and I think it's gonna happen this year. Like I have a book that has been brewing, and with any of my my books. By the time you read, read it, it has been in my heart and soul for approximately seven years. Like I have a seven year process before I can actually write a book. (laughs) I love the idea
1: of you doing a single dad. So I was raised by a single father. Right. And so I want to write one eventually. Right. Cause I don't know, like being, I want to being the product of a single dad. I have very masculine tendencies because that's like literally the only parent I really knew growing up until I got into like past my impressionable years. And then that's when my mom and I started to like rebuild our relationship. And by that point, I had already like developed mannerisms and stuff like that. And like this mentality of like, can't beat them, join them. Right. And (laughs) yeah. So I would love to write a single father. Like in Love and Hockey, the first book I wrote, the dad is a single dad and the daughter deals and the main character deals with like her mom not being in her life and so everybody loved jr and i was like that's my dad i was like you guys would love my dad and i would love to write i guess like his love story because he's been married like three times the man just loves love (laughs) So it's like he's been married like three times. He's got eight thousand kids.
2: <laughs> so
1: I would. I love the idea. Yeah, please write a single dad. I should.
2: well, you too. We should make a pact that this year we we at least start writing our single dad romance. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> I definitely am gonna try to do that. <laughs> um. And then, what is one trope that you will never write, ever, like not <sighs> even close to?
2: I don't think I will ever write a secret baby. Like I am just not a <laughs> secret baby fan. I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stevie.
0: <laughs> I love secret babies. I don't know what it is. I just like them so much.
2: I know, there's a lot, okay. of, a lot of readers to do. And I have a lot of um, colleagues who love to write the secret baby. And I, I think it's because I'm not a mother myself. I'm actually still undecided. Like like Jack and I talk about Jack as my boyfriend. We talk about this all the time. Like we could totally see a life of having kids and also completely see a life not having kids. And so I think it's really hard for me to like get into the mindset of a character who's pregnant and then let alone it being a secret or like, or already having like had a child and then like not telling him for years or whatever. I mean, I don't even fully understand the trope. That's how much I avoid it.
1: <laughs> Andy and I have met in a past life.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: we, haven't posted, we haven't posted this episode yet it goes live tomorrow um Nikki Ash is like the queen of writing secret babies, secret babies. oh
2: I love secret it. so same. you're saying if I give a secret baby a chance it needs to be Nikki Ash yes it needs to be her fighting series I
1: would definitely say okay. that she's like queen of secret babies all of them are secret babies she
0: has an MMA <laughs> series that was like three of them oh, i think three of the books were secret no what for the first two were secret babies but they, they were, were like babies th- yeah most of them. and this, <laughs> he's one of those writers who can write who has written the kids of the first generation and now is on the oh. Kids brain oh my god she's <laughs> never. my brain could never <laughs> here could never all right and
1: yeah. our last
0: trope question stevie is going to take it if you were in a book, what trope would
2: you want to be in? Oh, if I was in a book, I mean, billionaire, like, I, like, okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have never written a billionaire romance before. And Close Quarters is, was my first one, right? Is, that's the book that's about to come out. Yeah. And what I loved about it was like the, I, it's not my love language, but it was very cool to slip into that, like average girl being spoiled mindset yes. you know what I mean like never have these things and like all of a sudden you have all these things unlocked for you and like this guy who just wants to like dote on you and like literally can get anything like can just snap his fingers and have whatever you want um I'm gonna so, him I love this because he's gonna have to learn that that's not how you buy her heart that's right I know it I feel it Listen, I will say though, if you've ever read any of my books, I, I try, I know in marketing, I've got to tell the reader what they're getting. So I try really hard to say what trope my book is, but the problem is, is that I feel like I can't write a true trope. Like if you go into my book and you're like, Oh, this is going to be, uh, you know, friends to lovers. And I've read this a million times. It's not going to be like the friends to lovers that you've read. Cause I, I, I just don't, I don't know how, like. So this Billionaire Romance, if you're a Billionaire Romance fan, please don't hang me up to dry if it's not, like, everything that your Billionaire Romance (laughs) heart loves. It's probably going to be different. It's definitely going to be angsty, and there's a little bit of mystery in there, too, which I love.
1: Literally, the book I'm working on now, like, I'm almost done with it. I got about a week out before I have to start, like, hardcore edits, but, like, the book that I am working on now, so my PR person shauna was like she, i love her shauna i love you so much i'm so glad you put up with me but literally she was like she was like okay so what you want to what do you want to advertise the trope as and i was like well um i was like well we <laughs> could do this but it's not really that it's kind of like this so depending on how you do it because i was like it's like single mom but it's kind of not like a single mom you know yeah like baby but it's not a secret baby so she was like just pick one. And I was like, just do unrequited.
2: That's literally what we're going to put it underneath. Like, I don't know what else you want me to tell you. So I know it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to do, um, to figure out a trope, especially when it's like, you know, like you and I were talking about, we write from our heart and we write about things that are so real. So it's really hard I think it guts us a little bit to try to sum up how big our story is with like a trope uh, when it feels like a trope feels almost like a slap in the face to me I'm like yeah it's a sports romance but it's so much more than that you yeah, know like
1: how do I put all of this how do I put like this addiction and this mental health and this yeah. brother underneath this one umbrella I can't do Girl. it
2: I cannot do I know.
1: it but that is our last question for you, sadly. However, yeah. we have had such a fun time and it has been so amazing talking to you. And it's like crazy that you're just as inspiring like talking to you as you are, like as you come across on like social media and like in your books. So like mm-hmm. congratulations on not only being a great author, but like a fantastic person. So
2: <laughs> thank you. It was this just really fun. Thank you for having me on. I, you know, I do a lot of podcasts And this one was refreshing in the best way. Like, I love that we had some different kind of questions and different topics. And, um, you know, I just, I wish you all the luck and I hope you get a million listeners and, you know, just like blow up in the podcast atmosphere.
1: Thank you.